So a church was having a special missions offering like the one we're about to have. And as the usher passed the plate down the pews, he came to one man sitting at the end of a pew kind of like this with his arms folded. And when he tried to hand him the collection plate, the man refused. And so he nudged him in the arm and again tried to pass the plate, but the man wouldn't take it. And so the usher said, it's for missions. And the man replied, I don't believe in giving money for missions. To which the usher said, well, take some then. After all, it's for the heathen. You see, there is an expectation in Scripture that if God really is first in your life, then you are going to be a generous person. That people who seek the kingdom of God first are never the last to give and they never give the last. Now, you're thinking, wait a second, I thought this whole series first was going to be on priorities. Now you're talking generosity. Well, let me tell you how that came about. As I prepared for this series, I read every verse in the Bible that uses the word first, looking for themes. Now, as you would expect, Probably most of the time that the word first appears in the Bible, it's simply to designate a part of a sequence, like the first day, the first month, the first plague, the first servant. But, when the word first in the Bible is used to designate priority, to indicate something is most important, when it's used that way, what I found was that its most frequent use in that context was with reference to giving and to wealth. For example, what is Jesus' best known statement about first priority? Most of us would agree it's Matthew 6, verse 33. Seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, and all these things will be given you as well. But what we must remember is that this statement of Jesus was in the context of His teaching on sin, about worrying, about finances. Why do you worry about what you're going to eat or drink or wear? Seek first the kingdom of God. See, His thoughts on seeking first the kingdom have to be read through the lens of His thoughts on settling first Who are you going to serve with your life? That whole conversation was launched by this powerful statement just a few verses earlier in Matthew 6. Verse 24. No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Now, I have represented those two rivals by these symbols up here on our stand. The kingdom of God and money. And Jesus says, you cannot serve them both. And I find it interesting that Jesus did not say, you cannot serve God and Satan. No, he said, you cannot serve God and money. Because Jesus understood Money as our chief rival for the allegiance that is supposed to go to the kingdom of God. He did not view money as some morally neutral 
uh, thing, but as something claiming our hearts, seeking our allegiance. And Jesus said, you cannot enthrone the kingdom of God and make it number one in your life until you dethrone the money God. He said it's either or, either the kingdom of God or money. But we come along and say, oh no, Jesus, it's not either or, it's both and. I'm going to serve God and money because I know how to multitask. Listen again to what he actually said. He did not say you should not serve both God and money. He did not say, you ought not serve both God and money. He said, you cannot do it. He didn't say it was undesirable. He said, it's impossible. Why is it impossible? Because God won't accept such service. It is morally impossible for God to say he has a legitimate rival. God cannot lie. And so if you try to serve God and money, if you try to live a life that says there is a rival that is equal to God, he refuses that service. He must to be true to himself. Now this is why Jesus is going to talk about money more than any other subject except the kingdom of God. Over one-sixth of all his statements, over one-third of his parables, are about this issue. He knows that you must dethrone the money God to enthrone the kingdom of God. What are you going to love most in your life? Where are you going to put your heart? Write this down. Where you first put your money, Jesus says, shows where you put God. And that's why he talks so much about money. Not because Jesus wanted to make money, because he wants to make disciples. And I think it's why churches must talk about this. I think one reason there's such flabby versions of discipleship in the world today is because we're afraid to talk about what Jesus said is the number one struggle we have to make God first. Stanley Harawas is a, one of my favorite Christian theologians, teaches uh, ethics at Duke University. And he has a suggestion. I don't think any church has the courage to try it, but I think it would do some good. He says, you know, people come all the time to churches and say, I want to place membership at this church. He said, before we let them, we should ask them four questions. Question number one, who is your Lord and Savior? And the only acceptable answer should be Jesus Christ. Question number two. And do you intend to be his disciple and learn from him? And the only acceptable answer is yes. Question number three. And do you intend to be a faithful member of this church? And the answer needs to be yes. Question number four. And what's your annual income? Because if we're going to help you become a faithful follower and disciple of Jesus Christ, we're going to have to talk about the number one hurdle To making God first. If God's your first priority, then generosity is a non-negotiable. In fact, what God says throughout Scripture is, if I'm first, then I expect 
the first. See, I'm going to teach you something today I've never taught before about the subject of giving. I've taught about giving before, but I've never taught this. That what God wants you to do is give the first. Now, what does that mean? Well, three things. Number one, this is so profound. First means first. See, we've already mentioned it's morally impossible for God to accept second place. God will never stand right here and let you put the silver medal around his neck. Ever. And that was one of the purposes in the Old Testament for tithing. Deuteronomy 14.23 says the purpose of tithing is to teach you always to put God first in your lives. But now, listen. Tithing was not about just giving God one-tenth. Tithing was about trusting God. God with the first tenth. You cannot put God first and give Him the last. God claims the first for Himself. Let me show you that in Scripture. When the children of Israel come out of Egyptian captivity, here's one of the very first demands God makes of them. Exodus 13, verse 2. Consecrate to me every firstborn male, the first offspring of every womb among the Israelites belongs to me, whether man or animal. Later, he says, chapter 22, you must give me the firstborn of your sons. And it wasn't just the fruit of the womb, also the fruit of the soil. The next chapter, God says, bring the best of the first fruits of your soil to the house of the Lord your God. Now, later, the children, it says, are going to ask, why do we do this? And you will tell them, because it was at the cost of the firstborn of Egypt that you were redeemed from your bondage. Now, notice how this plays out a little later in the book of Numbers, chapter 3. God says, I've taken the Levites from among the Israelites in place of the first male offspring of every Israelite woman. The Levites are mine, for all the firstborn are mine. When I struck down all the firstborn in Egypt, I said, apart from myself, every firstborn in Israel, whether man or animal, they are to be mine. I am the Lord. Again, in chapter 8, every firstborn male in Israel, whether man or animal, is mine. When I struck down all the firstborn in Egypt, I set them apart for myself. And I've taken the Levites in place of all the firstborn sons in Israel. So here's how the economy of Israel worked. God says, in order to establish the spiritual and moral foundation that you need as a new nation, I am going to take the Levites in place of the firstborn that I claim for myself. And they are going to be those who administer the sacrifices. They are going to be the teachers of Torah. They are going to instruct you on how to love the Lord your God. To support them, you are to bring the first of every animal born. 
You are to bring them the first of everything you harvest. And you support them as they build the spiritual foundation I want this nation to have. But this principle of giving God the first preceded the law. I think it goes all the way back to that story about Abel and Cain. And we remember how God liked Abel's offering and didn't like Cain. And for years, scholars and preachers have said that's because Abel brought a blood offering and Cain didn't. I don't agree. The Old Testament is full of examples of God accepting grain offerings. The problem with Cain's offering is not that it didn't include blood. I'll show you the problem. Look at chapter 4. In the course of time, Cain brought, what's that word? Some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. But Abel brought fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. And the Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering. But on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. Why? Because God doesn't want some. God expects first. Think about it. Later, the children of Israel, after all the years of wandering in the wilderness, are going to enter the promised land. They're going to have to conquer this land and the cities. And the very first city they're going to come to is the mighty city of Jericho. And do you remember what God said? God said, when you conquer Jericho, I want all of it. Don't you keep any of it for yourselves. I want all of the first city. Now, they would conquer other cities and they could divide the spoils among themselves. But God said, the first city is mine. Where in the Bible does God ever say, okay, when your sheep has lambs, you keep the first nine and bring me the tenth as a tithe. Where does God ever say, okay, when the harvest comes in, you fill up the barn and then bring me. What's left over? And yet, when times get hard, and we have to make hard budget decisions, what do we usually cut first from our budget? What we give to God. And then we say, oh God, please bless my finances. Why should God bless any part of your life where he is not first? Our minister of missions, Dwayne Jinks, shared with me these testimonies I thought were helpful. He says, I grew up in a little church where the big givers dropped in a $5 bill. Enough said, my wife taught me to tithe after we were married. And I was in grad school. We were scraping by on her secretarial salary. And I knew most of the other students were not given much at all because we talked about it. And I'd heard church leaders mention the students couldn't give much. So I approached Debbie that we need to stop tithing. As we probably couldn't afford it even though we had been tithing for a few months. Now her response was diplomatic but it was more or less this. Look Buster. I'm the one bringing home the bacon and we're tithing period. 
So we were one of the few student couples who tithed, and God blessed us. We were never late on a bill. We never were hungry. We always had gasoline in the car, and her little salary stretched through each month. We even saved a little. We just didn't eat out as much as the others did. God provided for our every need. Now, you might know that later they went on and served for years as missionaries in Brazil. So here's his next testimony. Twenty-plus years ago, the overnight money market in Brazil was beating inflation big time. I came up with the not-so-brilliant idea of taking my monthly contribution and putting it into the overnight market to make some interest money. Then give God my contribution at the end of the month while I pocketed the interest. I thought it was a great idea until the refrigerator had to be replaced the first week, the washing machine the second week, and then I repented of robbing God before something worse happened, pulled it out of the overnight market, gave God his money with the interest, and never pulled that stunt again. And then he closes. God wanted my first fruits, not my leftovers. The proverb writer says, You honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats will brim over with new wine. What does first mean? First means first. Say that, please. First means first. Turn to your neighbor and make sure they get it. Say, first means first. You got that? First means first. And first means best. Because God expects quality as well as quantity. In the book of Malachi, we know that the people of Israel were having a hard time. There was a famine, a drought. There was some kind of a pestilence, insects eating the crops. On top of all that, the religious leaders were corrupt. And the people were saying, this is a beatdown. Times are hard and I'm having to bring my offerings to support these guys who I don't think are doing a good job. I'm just whipped by it. And so they came up with a way to get around it. And look what the Lord God said. You say, what a burden. And you sniff at it contemptuously, says the Lord Almighty. And when you bring injured, crippled, or diseased animals and offer them as sacrifices, should I accept them from your hand, says the Lord? Cursed is the cheat who has an acceptable male in his flock and vows to give it, then sacrifices a blemished animal to the Lord. For I'm a great king, says the Lord Almighty, and my name is to be feared among the nations. God says, how dare you call me first and then bring me an offering that's second rate. I've told you the story before Paul Harvey tells about the Butterball Turkey Company. Every year at Thanksgiving, they set up a hotline for people to call to get instructions on how to prepare turkeys. And so a lady calls in and says, I've had this turkey in my freezer for 23 years. Is it still safe to eat it? And the lady from Butterball said, well, if if it's been below zero all this time, it's probably safe. But by now, all the flavor would be gone. I certainly wouldn't recommend it. And the lady who called said, yeah, that's what we thought. We'll just give it to our church. The quality of an offering is a reflection on the quality of the heart of the offerer. There is never an acceptable reason to give God second best. I don't care if times are hard. 
I don't care if we hear stories about religious leaders who are corrupt. It is never acceptable to give God a leftover instead of an offering. God expects no less than what He gives. The best. You see, I I think we should consider Jesus as God's tithe. Think about it. Why throughout the New Testament is Jesus described as the firstborn? It's not because there were other brothers and sisters like him. He was the unique son of God. In what sense is he God's firstborn? He's God's best given to redeem us from bondage. Colossians chapter 1 says he's the head of the body of the church. He's the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. It was the sacrifice of the best. The firstborn that your redemption was purchased. Because people in love give the best. And perfect love casts out fear. Which is exactly what Satan's going to attempt to exploit every time you give the first. Because he first means first, it means best. And first means trust. Because Satan whispers, if you give the first, what will be left for you? Satan knows that fear is involved in this decision. But I want to tell you something. If you put money here, fear is going to be your constant companion. And I'll tell you why. Because this is a puny God. It can't come back from the dead. Moths, thieves, rust, corrupt banking systems, spendthrift congresses, stock market collapses in countries you can't even spell. All make this God kneel. Satan knows what he's doing. Ever since the garden, he's dabbled in fear. He's asked the question, is God really trustworthy? Can you count on him? And Jesus says, look at the lilies. Look at the birds. What do they tell you? You see, faith is not trusting blindly. Faith is looking at God's track record. And deciding that it is wise to stand on his promises. I tithe. I have since I was 14 years old. And I am absolutely convinced that I have been able to live with more joy and more contentment on my 90% that I believe God is blessing than I could ever live on 100% without His blessing. 
Look again at Matthew 6. More than anything else, put God's work first and do what He wants. And then the other things will be yours as well. And one way to put God's work first is to support your local church, the church where you are being nurtured and taught. Every year at this time, we ask you to make a pledge to the work of this church. You'll notice today, I told you last week we would do this, there is a form like this in your pew. I want you all to get one. We have them at the hub. You can even get them online. I want you to read it. And then next week, I want you to come back. We do this every year, prepared to make a pledge to this church, putting God's work first. Recently, we had a group study our giving as a church compared to other churches across the country. There was good news and bad news. Here's the good news. We really are, compared to most churches, one of the most generous churches in America. We really are. That's the good news. Here's the bad news. There is no trackable record of giving for a third of our membership. The study revealed that if we were a tithing church, if God was really first in our finances, we would have an additional 10 to $15 million a year to give to kingdom causes. I like the bumper sticker I saw one time. Tithe if you love Jesus. Anybody can honk. <laughs> now, I recognize that some of you right now are not able to tithe. Here's what I want you to do. This should be something you do with your family. Take that sheet home. Talk and pray about it. And together as a family decide, this is what our first fruit is going to be. And determine it. Stretch a little bit. Give up Blockbuster. Cut out Starbucks. But make a decision as a family. God gets this first before we do anything else. Remember, you give your money first to whoever or whatever you believe will bless your life. I'll say that again. Because Jesus said it. Your money goes first. To whoever or whatever you believe is most able to bless your life. And whatever has your money has your love. Because Jesus says your heart will always follow your treasure. And what should you love? Well, the second most famous statement Jesus ever said about first was this. You love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And so I'm going to close with a question. What's the first commandment according to my financial records? According to my stewardship, what's the first commandment? There are certain memories from childhood that impact you. Here's one of mine. I was only in about the third grade. 
didn't grow up in a particularly wealthy family. We had just moved into the first house my parents had ever bought. We'd always rented up till then. It wasn't a very big house, but it was neat to us. And my dad had a little table in a room where he kept the bills. He'd go in usually Monday night. That was bill paying night. And he put them in order. And I noticed something every week. The very first check my dad wrote every week was his tithe to his church. And it just sat there all week for us to see. And I don't know why that had such a profound impact, but there was, even as a third grader, it just hit me. This is important. My dad's not just talking the talk. Or he wouldn't write that check first. And then I realized this week, someday, my children are going to know the absolute truth about my finances. They'll have to open up all the books and deal with dad's accounts when he's gone. They will know whether or not I was just talking to talk. I want them on that day to see the exact same sermon you're hearing right now. You can't serve God and money, but here's the amazing thing. You can serve God with money. You can bring your money to the foot of the cross and worship God with it. You can give God the first. And it's not just so God's work will go forward. It's so God's work in you will go forward. So we're going to respond to the teaching today in two ways. Go ahead and be standing, please. Way number one is we're going to invite you to accept Jesus Christ this morning. And come and be baptized into His death and His resurrection. Way number two is to give. We're going to take up our money for Haiti while we sing our next song. So if the guys will go ahead and take their places, we're going to pass collection plates. And as we worship with our voices, we're going to worship with our offerings to bless other people in Jesus' name. So let me just go ahead and pray for us and then we'll sing. So Father, now we ask that with our lips and with our wallets... We will show the world, both visible and visible, that you are first. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.